probably can't remember your family. Oh, yes, I can when I want to. And that's the point, really. I have to really want to, to bring them back in front of my eyes. The rest of the time, they, they sleep in my mind, and I forget. And so will you. Oh, yes, you will. You'll find there's so much else to think about, to remember. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who beginner and a Doctor Who veteran go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we are talking about the Tomb of the Cybermen. The Tomb of the Cybermen. Well done, Caleb. Here's a biscuit. Uh, the Tomb of the Cybermen was written by Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis. I'm sure you'll uh, remember these ones because Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis uh, co-wrote The Tenth Planet. And then Kit Peddler wrote The Tenth Planet again when he wrote The Moon Base. <laughs> and Jerry Davis wrote The Highlanders. So, which I barely remember what happened in The Highlanders. <laughs> so, I know Jamie's in it. Jamie was introduced. That's something. I know that... Uh, Polly made my pants feel funny in that episode, but other than that, I don't really remember anything that happened. I had this weird tingling in my gut the whole time. Every time Polly spoke. Um, it was directed by Morris Berry and produced by Peter Bryant. Uh, Peter Bryant had been a script editor for a while, and they wanted to give him a test run as a producer because uh, Eines Lloyd was planning on leaving soon, they, so they were trying to come up with who was going to be his replacement. And so this is Peter Bryant's... Guinea Pig episode. Uh, it aired September 2nd, 1967 to September 23rd, 1967. So uh, I was telling you about this between recordings, but Tomb of the Cybermen is often regarded as one of the best Troughton episodes, and I am genuinely curious to watch this one to see if it's because it is genuinely good or because at the time there were so few Troughton episodes available at all that they there were such slim pickings. So I'm genuinely curious to see how well this episode holds up. And, you know, the Cybermen are back. The Cybermen are back. They're, this is, they're starting to feel a little bit overused right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've gotten three whole episodes of the Cybermen. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, man? They are, they are becoming the new Daleks. And I'll bet you anything, because they thought that the last episode was going to be the last episode with the Daleks, they were like, shit, we need a new ringer. Um, Cybermen are vaguely popular. Let's do them. Didn't we have the Cybermen just like a couple episodes ago? Who cares? Cybermen. You're fired. <laughs> Is Kit Petler doing anything? Let's make him, let's have him do 10th Planet 3. I don't have a clever name. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the name of the episode, The Tomb of the Cybermen, what do you think this episode's going to be about? Oh, God. It's going to be detailed. Buckle up. <laughs> The TARDIS will appear in Egypt in the year 2487 at an excavation site. A new, a new tomb has been discovered that's never been found in Egypt before. And the doctor is going to say, the sculpture of this pharaoh looks like a robot. 
yeah, vaguely like a Cyberman, and the the lead excavation would go, well, that's impossible. The Cybermen were blown away hundreds of years ago, <laughs> and they will open up one of the sarcophagi, and there will be a robot wrapped as a mummy, but no one will question why it's a robot and not a mummy. <laughs> and then, as more excavations disappear, the Cyberman will be revealed, and the excavation will have a Lovecraftian mind break moment, and then get turned into a Cyberman, and then the Doctor will just patch up the hole and call it a day. That was fairly detailed. Also, not bad. That's a, that's a pretty good prediction, if I'm going to be honest. I know I know what happened in the moon base, and I know what happened on the 10th planet. So I'm, just, I'm rolling with the theme here. Makes sense. Makes sense. But yeah, on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too not bad. Not too shabby. Better than our past couple wins. Yeah, no shit. Now, while we were traveling through space and time, as we do, we did come across a couple people whose uh, all their friends, families, and loved ones uh, died horribly, and also we accidentally killed their pet. Uh, so they had nothing better to do. So they came along uh, on the podcast. So uh, please welcome Bob and Seth. I'm never forgiving you, Mac. I miss my pet. Nah, you'll get over <laughs> it. My nondescript pet. I'm so, so heartbroken. Yeah, you'll get over it next episode. It's fine. I love Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you guys would like to introduce yourselves, and also, as I've just decided, uh, we are going to continue this Tradition? Is it a tradition if it's only happened this two times? If you can go ahead and tell us your uh, history with Doctor Who, or lack thereof. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh, I'm Bob. I went to college with Mac. Um, I have pretty extensive history with the new series of the show. Uh, I'm, I watched all of it. Um, I've seen, like, bits and pieces of the older show here and there, but never, I think, watched one all the way through. So, uh, this was interesting as I, as I did that. You were a lucky man. I am Seth. I host a podcast with Bob, and that is how I met everyone here. We were sharing it with friends and family, but they're all dead now, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess we just gotta put it right into the time vortex here and see if anyone wants to listen to our dumb fairy tale show. <laughs> My exposure to Doctor Who is that after the new Doctors started happening my dad was like hey seth this is popular would you like to see what i watched because he used to watch the old doctor who's when they were airing and so he introduced me to his favorite doctor which was the fourth doctor and he said part of the reason that was his favorite is because he really liked the companion that was joining that doctor and i, I have a suspicion that part of the reason he liked her was because of her her assets her her costume design yeah yeah caleb's gonna caleb's gonna enjoy that when wait, we eventually does get doctor there. who actually get horny i mean <laughs> you might need to wait till 2005 for it to get really horny <laughs> it was horny for the time but yes i think horny for the time is a good 
Horny for the 70s. Mm-hmm. A surprisingly <laughs> horny decade. The 1970s. <laughs> Space and time, we gotta clarify. That's true, that's true. If it was horny for the 1870s, there'd just be a lot of ankle showing. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, it's like, what's the ankle joke? What's the ankle joke? <laughs> Which, speaking of, Victoria, kind of, uh, yeah, at the beginning, that's kind of her vibe. Perfect segue. Nailed it. I do want to say, uh, just before we begin, this is the very first appearance of the Cybermats. <laughs> it's just a fun little trivia. Bob and I were discussing which uh, episode he was going to... Uh, he was going to guest on and we were talking and he was like, I want to do the first one with the Cybermen. I was like, well, first one with the Cybermen is the first doctor's last episode. So maybe not that one. And then, okay, we'll do the next one with the Cybermen. And that was an audio episode. And I didn't want to subject you to that. So we're like, okay, we'll do the third one. <laughs> and so that was this one. And then like a couple of months later, my wife was like, Hey, can I guest on the first episode with the Cybermats? Because I love the Cybermats. No. And I'm like, um, <laughs> that one's booked. It's been taken already. <laughs> Jeez, honey, I, I love you, but no, absolutely <laughs> no. not. I am not doing three guests at once. Fuck you. <laughs> word for word what he said. I was there. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not a stretch of the imagination, I don't think. <laughs> no, not at all. Are the straights okay? <laughs> I think Mac and Brittany um, are But I also wouldn't necessarily call you straights uh, Yeah, yeah Are the gays and straight relationships okay? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Caleb And also Bob and Seth I forgot you guys were there for half a second um, Before we begin General thoughts What'd you think of Tomb of the Cybermen? I thought this one This is probably my Surprise It's probably my favorite Cyberman episode Probably because I can watch it It's the first episode is just a straight banger, beginning to end, <laughs> in this context. It gets a little derailed at the end, I think. But overall, I think it's pretty ding-dang enjoyable. Yeah, I, I mean, I think overall, big caveat, uh, given <laughs> a character in this one. There, There is a big pulsing asterisk next to pretty much every comment we have <laughs> during this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple characters. Yeah, Seth texted me and said, uh-oh, this one's racist. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I kind of, and this was before I got to that part. But I mean, I think overall, I, I think it was a pretty solid episode. I, I would absolutely agree. The first episode, banger. Absolutely. Like, it kept my attention really, really well. Um, once they get to the tomb and just kind of stand around and eat, you know, tablets and drink coffee maybe lost my interest a little bit but i think overall it, it was a good episode and, and i mean i do really like the cybermen i think they're my favorite uh recurring villain from dr who so this it was like kind of cool to see mm -hmm. them this early when they were first created to be fair bob i said that the writer in race not it's racist period because That's like there, yeah. there's a lot of context in that for everything and we kind of have to take that for all of it uh, it was a fun grouping of episodes. I, with only having the briefest exposure to Doctor Who other than cultural os osmosis, didn't realize that it was going to be a four-episode arc. So that was uh, something that I was like, oh, neat. And it was, yeah, there, there were a lot of highs and lows. What a coincidence. 
Caleb also didn't know that it was going to be a multi-episode arc before we started this podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Mac, Mac was like, I think about doing a Doctor Who podcast. I was like, hey, that sounds like fun. He's like, okay, great, let's do it. And then we go through all this plan. He's like, all right, Caleb, I have to let you know now because we're approaching our first recording. Uh, they are multiple episodes. <laughs> now that you're committed. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I was like, you know, how often, how long are they? They're like, and he said, four, typically. <laughs> On average, <laughs> if you take every single story in Doctor Who, on average, it's about mm, 4.3. And, and, then, and then he's like, and then there's a 12-episode one it, it, within the first Doctor. I was like, oof, that's a big one. He's like, yeah, it's an audio version. What? <laughs> you motherfucker. And it will include a Christmas episode. <laughs> he did not tell me about the Christmas episode. That was a fucking, no, <laughs> that no. was out of left field. I very specifically did not tell you about the Christmas episode. <laughs> I hate Christmas things. I love Christmas. Do not like Christmas television. Now, is that, is, I don't know, we may be, like, veering off to a tangent, but is that the only 12-episode serial that there is? Yes. Good. Yes. That is the only 12-episode one. Uh, we do have a, a tenor coming up, Ooh. but that's the only tenor, Got and uh, everything else is single digits. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> Well, there you go. You survived it. Yeah, you're, you're past the worst episode count-wise. That's what that's what we said when we finished it. We were like, okay, <laughs> in regards to certain things, we're in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is kind of circling it back towards the episode, but still a tangent. Um, going to the racism, uh, Seth, you may be surprised that I was actually shocked by how not racist this episode was. <laughs> oh! Um, because... Uh, because <laughs> My first thought was so there's a character time and relative uh, dimensions. Yeah, there, right? <laughs> yeah. Compared ra- ra- to some of the previous episodes, compared to some of the other ones, yes. Uh, my response was okay. So for everyone listening, there's a character named Toberman. He's black and he's a servant to one of the characters. Yeah, that's that part right there. That's all. <laughs> my my my, in, my first response to that was wow, he's actually black. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> yes, that's space. Yep, that kind of... Uh, yep, that's... Mm-hmm. Oh! This is that fun era of uh, colonialization where uh, they were like, oh, so we'll do cosplay of it, too. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's an arc in season one um, about Marco Polo in China, and no one's Chinese. Oh! Yeah. Do you ever see yeah. that... Uh, I mean, this was like a pretty common practice in film, unfortunately, did you ever see um, John Wayne when he played um, Genghis Khan? Because that's for no. sure a thing that happened. And it's, he doesn't, I mean, I guess thankfully he doesn't change his accent. But it's. That, that was our, that was our saving grace in Marco Polo. We were like, at least they're not doing the voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we got to an episode where a guy did do a voice and oof. yeah um yeah so i guess i'm i guess i'm becoming desensitized to some of the racism oh <laughs> uh, fox news is right up next because <laughs> i'm see- i'm seeing the progress because my other response was <laughs> like two episodes into this i was like oh toberman has lines which is better than the last black guy we had in the previous episode who had no lines whatsoever and had a much more <laughs> extended racist so oh. I, I noted, like, in the fourth episode, has he even had any lines? And then he finally did, and I'm like, oh, good. At least there's that. But I guess we'll get there when we get there. 
you know, I, I think it is worth noting before we like actually get into it. Uh, before uh, Caleb hopped on, we were kind of talking, and it is interesting, like watching this episode from like sixty seven, I think sixty seven, sixty eight, somewhere around there. Sixty seven, yeah. And then like being today, it's like okay, society has gotten marginally better since this was just a common thing when we choose to be. <laughs> yeah, when it chooses to be. I think the big difference is that this kind of thing could still come out today. It's just that there would be backlash. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. There would, there would absolutely be um, people saying like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. As a small aside, I'm not sure if uh, that's something that's going to come up, but the actress actress that plays uh, Kaftan, she read to me as being like, persian iranian is she supposed to be or is she supposed to be white as well i did get that vibe as well like her and Kleeg, i they kind of read as not white but i mean it's black and white so it's, it is a little hard to tell it was a little difficult to tell Kleeg definitely read to me as like south asian coded yeah let me let me let me look up the cast list here just just out I of curiosity do definitely not love though that the two non-white characters are well two of the three non-white characters given that if this is the case are the villains and they also have a big air quotes servant of a black man that's like half of my notes through the entire thing <laughs> great we just knocked them out right up here then right her name didn't really give me a clue i uh, i they didn't have much information about her parents so i'm not sure uh, Kleeg is played by a man named George Pastel, and I'm seeing pic- uh, colored pictures of him now, and I do believe... I'm going to totally mispronounce this. Uh, he is Cypriot? He's he's Greek. <laughs> oh, from <laughs> Cyprus. Oh. Yeah, I <clears throat> could I, I could see both of them being, like... It, I mean, it is tricky, and, like, I... This is also kind of, like, a weird, like... I don't want to guess what race people are, but... I looked it, I looked it up on IMDb so that I wasn't just... M- wildly guessing <laughs> like i i asked that question not intending for it to be like okay. not to be aired like if it just wanted to feel smoother without but just like sure. it was a thought that i had just because like it was the way that everything felt coded in the episode mm-hmm. yeah and then uh captain is played by shirley cooklin who is from uh, cheshire england she is what yeah her name didn't give me much insight just because like there are people that are in England from all over. People yeah. were kind of brought there. But um, we are getting uh, dangerously close to getting specific in our in our comments. So, uh, Caleb, if you want to go ahead and take us away. Oh, I sure do. The Tomb of the Cybermen, Episode 1. Jamie and the Doctor bring Victoria into the TARDIS, and the Doctor reveals that he is old as fuck. They dematerialize and arrive on a planet named Telos, where an archaeological team finds a massive set of doors hidden in the mountains. One man touches the door and dies immediately. The travelers arrive and are immediately met with suspicion, but the team lightens up after the doctor helps them open the door. The team consists of Perry, the expedition leader, and his assistant, Viner. The expedition was funded by a woman named Captain and her colleague, Eric, and they are attended by their strongman servant, Toberman. There are also a few other crew members, but they don't really matter as much. It's immediately clear that this tomb belonged to the Cybermen, and the Doctor wants to join the team as they explore. The main entryway has a massive hatch and a, strong, and a strange set of controls. The Doctor opens a door once he deduces a certain sequence on the controls, and Klieg becomes obsessed with working out the sequence himself. 
The gang separates Scooby-Doo style, and Jamie and a man named Peter discover a strange room with a metallic caterpillar. Victoria discovers a room with a strange sarcophagus and gets trapped inside by Captain. Luckily, the doctor comes in just in time to save her. Back with Jamie and Peter, they fiddle with the controls and almost get hypnotized by the wall. After experimenting with it a bit, Peter tries to approach the wall when what appears to be a Cyberman comes out and shoots him dead. I like. I really liked seeing the classic intro. It was cool. Like the with there's like with the face. <laughs> well, yeah, the face is. Uh, I'm not talking about the face. That was a little weird. But the um, the fact that like, I don't know exactly what it is, but like in the orchestration of the theme song, like there's kind of like this like kind of like magical quality that mm-hmm. I was just like, that's cool. That like is really cool. And like I've watched documentaries about like how they make that, like how they did it, like with mm-hmm. like the very old computers and same like the TARDIS sound, like how it was like, I think it's like a guitar that they do something weird on and then like throw effects on it. Yeah, they like took a, a guitar and like, took the uh took the guitar pick and like ran it along the strings oh that and then just sense. like slowed mm. it down mm-hmm. i yeah. always thought it was a lawnmower <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I liked it i was struck by as someone who like such limited exposure how well it kind of did a tldr with what i did know and it's like this is where we are yeah so it was able to bring me in and say this is where we're going today how about that jinky zoy yeah bob and i discussed that and we were like this is a good first episode for uh for seth to be watching because it is also victoria's first time in the tardis um so it's like you are being brought along on the ride at the same time she is it's kind of and neat. they immediately just start with taking all of her clothes off i mean she can't really run in Victorian dress. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be much more comfortable. Counterpoint: Does Victoria do any running? In- she stays in. She stays in her room. No, she doesn't. She doesn't not do any running in this episode. What she does do is she laughs at the idea of traveling through time and space. And I'm like, dude, you were on the surface of Scaro like thirty seconds ago. Why is this so incredulous to you? <laughs> I was wondering about that. Going back to that point, uh, in that episode, someone explains that to her. They're like, you're on a whole different planet. You're not even in the same solar system. And her face is just not registering what that person is saying. <laughs> I can't absolutely believe Victoria just not, still not comprehending that they're not on Earth. And like down the street from her house. She's also from 1867 and has been kidnapped, threatened by Daleks, time traveled, and her father died. It was a hell of a Wednesday for her. So... I'm cutting her some slack. <laughs> and then, hey, heads up. Here's some new neighbors. They're the Cybermen. Get ready. <laughs> I refuse. The The entire, the series of the four episodes, like, in addition to the episodes having a very racially questionable assemblage, but they also treat her as an, basically a child. So, like... Isn't she actually under 18, though? Like, like the character... Yes. Like, she... Like, I yeah. did read that. It's like, she is okay. actually a minor. Yeah, she is the youngest TARDIS crew member up to this point. Okay. I think she's, like... That does put things in a little bit better context, but, like... But still... Yeah, I think to a certain perspective, like, that does maybe hand-wave some of the stuff that, like, you know, watching it out of context, it's like... Oh, they're just not letting the woman do stuff. But it's like, okay, like she is a kid though. Like I, I get that. I don't know if that's why it happened or if it was because she's a woman. But that being said, there are several moments 
throughout this episode where I was reminded why I like Victoria. Because despite the fact that she is kind of pushed in a corner sometimes, in her own way, she is very cool and not like outright badass, but like a dignified, proper lady kind of badass. Yeah, I get what you mean. I did look up on TARDIS Wiki a little bit about her just so I had like some kind, like a little bit of context about her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found this fun quote. You may have read this on her introduction episode. I don't know. But, quote, Indeed, she often displayed her fear by screaming with much greater frequency than the other female companions of the second Doctor. Two of you have fun with that. Oh my god. Mac, what am I in for? (laughs) We shall see. (laughs) The way I kind of interpret Victoria is... The writers wrote three boss bitch women in a row, and it, it was too hard. So they were like, uh, let's write Susan again. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to sit here and say that Victoria is the best companion, but you cannot compare her to Susan. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, absolute bottom of the barrel, Susan. Screaming from the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Look, I don't want to give you too much of a spoiler, but it's going to be a while. Before we reach a companion that I hate more than Susan. (laughs) One of the things that I noted about the episode that gave me a chuckle was when they set off the explosion to reveal the doors of the tomb. They actually went to an appropriate, uh, an appropriately safe distance from the explosion, and I said, "Take that, people of Storybrooke!" <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, uh, I did. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, they're in in Once Upon a Time. At one point, they're trying to get into this abandoned mine shaft, and they do rig it up with dynamite, but like they like move like maybe 150 feet and just blow it up, <laughs> and everyone's fine. But it's like that's unsafe. I do like how um, the doctor uh, shows, like, tells Jamie to go tell her, like, where the where the wardrobe is, like, because she'll probably need a more appropriate change of clothes. And uh, then Jamie's like, can can you do, is it possible for you to do a smooth takeoff? Just like this once, just so we don't scare her off immediately. I like Jamie. <laughs> I like Jamie a lot. And the doctor is just, like, indignant. He's like, smooth takeoff? Like, implying that I'm not always perfect at flying this thing. The audacity. Also, um, I just gotta do a call-out post here. Uh, the doctor says that he perfected the TARDIS. Sure. <laughs> I thought that too. Sure, you yeah, asshole. No. Yeah, you absolutely did not do that. He's definitely not pressing the I'm feeling lucky button every single time <laughs> <laughs> that he presses go. Is that button even still on Google? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, it's probably because it'll take you to some like far-right hate website on accident. Probably. There were also some really fun lines, like when Krieg was trying to figure out the code, and the doctor's like, oh, here, they, it's could be this kind of thing. Oh, well, do you have any ideas? Oh, no, not really. I think it's about time we give Mr. Krieg a chance to show of his archaeological skills. <laughs> it's like... You shady bitch. <laughs> I, uh, the second Doctor is so shady, and I love him for it. I Yeah, this is my first of him. He very much gives me, like, a sci-fi Doctor House. I see that. I can see that. I, I say that he's... I still say that he's a um, uh, sci-fi Columbo. I can very much see that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, like, my initial impression was that, but, like, it he gave me more than just that by the end. 
Like, he wasn't just snarky. He was a lot snarkier this episode than he typically... I see. Um, a lot of time, a lot of times, he's just kind of bumbling around, and you're like, Doctor, what the fuck are you doing? And then he figures everything out. Oh, I said that a yeah. few times during this one. Doctor, what the fuck are you doing? But, I mean, to be fair, that is a trait that does stick around. Yeah. Yeah, if there's one thing I know about Doctor Who, it's that the Doctor doesn't explain anything. <laughs> Often to the detriment of the young women that are traveling with him. And then we meet um, a bunch of walking, talking countdown timers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of them uh, was told to do an American accent, and he uh, heard do his best John Wayne impression. <laughs> so <laughs> This is the pilot, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, honestly, I love that guy. <laughs> and, and my note in episode three is make, make, make the cowboy pilot a companion. <laughs> uh, I was very disappointed when he was not. The tallest one in the room, the engineer. Oh, yeah, he's the American. <laughs> so, Mac, you might know, you're kind of like a lore person on this. Is this the first time that the Doctor traveled with two people, like two companions from linear time of the show running the past? Because I believe both Jamie and Victoria are like from yes. some time in the past. It's definitely the first time it's happened so far. Doing like a quick run through of the companions, and I think it might be the own at least at least two like i know there are some companions from like you know whether or not they stick around from past but i don't know i just i kind of clock that as oh interesting yeah no i i also i did note that um when they're when they're like blowing the doors off of the thing first of all we get a lot of shots of this entire group clambering up and down a mountain (laughs) yeah like i think one of my notes was oh i bet we're gonna get more shots of this and literally the next shot was them running away from the explosion, climbing up a mountain, like, just from a different angle. Yeah, they spend a hot minute doing, <laughs> just climbing up the mountain. Yep, uh, but I think when they when they blow it off and they're, like, looking, the, someone says, and it could have been a line flip, but they say, like, someone, he, or he blew two doors, and I was like, oh, is that, like, what, two tall guys or something? I don't know. <laughs> One of my notes is, giant explosion, ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you our budget. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. After watching all four episodes, what budget? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny because I was was watching this episode, I was like, damn, we have money now. The whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I was like, wow, look at that. That's so good compared to everything else. Yeah, no shit. Like, they have, like, they built a set. (laughs) They've finally figured out how to reverse footage. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, I know. When, like, the Cybermen spoilers, when they crawl back in the little egg things, I was like, whoa, that's cool as fuck. They reversed the film. I was like, wow, look at the little lightning bolts. As this, like, giant group of explorers, I was like, they're fodder. They, like, they do not need to be here. And, and, like, honestly, they could have cut, like, I think five of them. They did not need that many people. They did. Yeah, well, no, before they all died. They all had countdown timers above their head. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because I love horror movies, but I loved it. I saw this crowd of people, people and I was like, oh, let the game begin. <laughs> and I was like, who's it going to be? And like, every time someone died, I was like, finally, finally, violence. <laughs> they get locked in the tomb and the a TV comes on. It's the cyber controller, but with jigsaw makeup. <laughs> we are going Would to you play, like a to game. play a game. <laughs> Goddamn, Seth, our fucking minds. <laughs> and, and then... Um, uh, what what's the? I hate that I can specify this, and you know who I'm talking about. What's the woman's name? I forget. Uh, Captain. 
Yeah, Captain. She says, 50 pounds to the first man who opens these doors. And this episode is 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 set during the 2300s, so that's like the equivalent of like a buck 65. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy dies for 50 pounds, and also the lamest way that I've seen someone die in Doctor Who is a door. And it wasn't, even, it? It wasn't even Hodor. Is it, it Bob? It was just door. It was just like mundane. We'll get there, Bob. I saw I saw the best character in the last episode overpowered by a feeble old man. It was the door was not the worst way to die. Was the feeble old man the doctor? No. No. Okay, because I was gonna say no. doctor. Like multiple times, you're standing around and like Cleeg and Captain are like doing something evil. You're just standing there. It's like do something. Like push them out of the way. <laughs> The doctor is very obviously, you're all children and I need to supervise you. But for some reason, I noted that he helps them with this thing that he knows is obviously dangerous. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you enabling them? I have I have several notes. <laughs> I mean, as we've seen with Susan, the doctor is a bad parent. Ain't that the truth? The doctor is curiosity killed the cat personified. He, just, <laughs> he sees something and he has to fuck with it. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. It, that's very true. And it's killed the cat about like 12 times. There's no voice of reason anymore. There's no one saying, Doctor, we don't have to fucking do this. We can just leave, actually. Yeah, yeah. Ben's gone. So th- this was this was written by the same guys who wrote the last two uh, Cybermen episodes. And they were basically the same episode. Like, they were both just the same episode. So I was like, okay, does everyone have their Kit Peddler bingo card out? Because I'm checking things off as we go along. Uh, my first one was uh, Doctor arrives right after something went wrong and is immediately thrown into uh, suspicion. But this one feels like much more of a stretch than it was the past couple times. Because <laughs> he was nowhere near the dude who died at the door. And they were like, right? this is your fault. I'm like, I just came from over there. What the fuck? <laughs> it, it was very into the woods in that way. You're going to have to help us. We're, oh, we're... It's a, it, there, there's a song called Your Fault. And everyone is blaming everyone else. And it just felt like, you, you weren't here. He did it. He's the one who did it. Fuck that guy. Oh, the xenophobia. Yes. (laughs) Classic xenophobia. Well, British. (laughs) I was just saying, the first one on my bingo card was Cybermen. They died hundreds of years ago. (laughs) That also has been said before. (laughs) Cybermen, I barely know them. (laughs) Also, like, when they get to, when they actually get to opening the door, when, when Toberman does it, and like after the doctor does the thing that makes it not electrocute people for whatever reason, it, there's like this dramatic music when he's opening the right side of the door and then it's silent when he's getting the left side. And I was like, you couldn't just run the sound cue again. He's, he's already, he's already opened the door. It's not as dramatic if he just does it again. <laughs> but like, Oh man, I, I did. Uh, I don't know. I had a couple of things that are maybe um, prescient of where the show is going. So I'm going to keep those to myself, but there was, okay. when they were opening the door, it was like, hmm, that would be handy if there was some kind of tool to help with that. Yeah. I have the quote written down, we're searching the universe for the last remains of the Cybermen. And I'm like, but why, though? That's such suicide. Why are you <laughs> actively searching for remnants of Cybermen? And then my next note is the same one as you had, Caleb. Uh, the Cybermen all died out hundreds of years ago. Check on the bingo card. <laughs> but Mac, you're forgetting a very important thing. They're British. Yes, of course. There's something so key in the the British mind that's like, I have to loot tombs. Yeah, it's true. There's something out there that isn't mine, and I have to have it. 
They have an entire new wing in their museum. They need to fill it with stuff that they pulled out of tombs. I get it. Yeah, the force <laughs> ghost of Queen Elizabeth was like, you must do this. Find the Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> and her corgi did fart. Uh, Too soon? No. no. Good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, also, Toberman's butt did look really good when he was opening that door. I did notice, but I did not write that note. <laughs> I also noticed and didn't write the note down. <laughs> I mean, I think it's honestly just like 60s fashion. Like, pants looked good in the 60s, I think on everybody. Toberman is my type. <laughs> just like, um, Camel from the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate the kilt that Jamie wore. Yeah, I, one of my notes is, I like Jamie's kilt. <laughs> yeah. Period. Um, I do gotta say, though, like, out of, like, the fashion and stuff, what the fuck was Captain's hair? What was that? It was, like, beehive up top, party in back? It was very Ronettes. Oh, yeah. Beehive mullet. I was like, okay, that's a choice. I mean, it's like, probably was not, not a look back then, so I was just like, interesting. That was the Rachel of the time period. If, if this is the 2300s, then the 1970s fashion has come back, like hundreds of times <laughs> yeah the cycle of fashion that that was my note on her was her haircut i was like you can tell by her haircut she's the bad guy because <laughs> <laughs> yes. only a psychopath would wear her hair like that <laughs> also she was wearing like scrubs or like a scrub top it's <laughs> weird looking a paisley thing i mean like you knew worst crime that, execute you knew that that was loud even in black and white <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Um, but they open up the door, and then uh, Jamie and Victoria are both just like, let's get back to the TARDIS. And I make the note of Jamie and Victoria speaking for Caleb. <laughs> and then he's like, ah, but it's Cybermen, though. I kind of have to get involved. Uh, and then the people of the expedition uh, say, yes, you should leave. And then Jamie does a complete 180. He's like, no one tells him what a no one tells him a crimin where to go. <laughs> yeah. Like the doctor and Jamie have no interest in not sending this young girl from the 1800s into a nest of Cybermen. Like they, they're, right. they're just like, Oh, we're going to grab your hands and we're going to go. I did love the moment when they get her to go in the tomb where she's like, but my dress is, it, it feels so short. And he's like, well, look at Jamie's. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um there is the moment where like they're about to head in and then the doctor and jamie like take hands and start going in <laughs> and then realize that they're holding each other's hands and not victoria's and then they turn around and go back um that was improved by patrick troughton and fraser hines and they did not tell the director they were going to do that specifically so that he wouldn't stop them <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, I told you or not before, Seth, but um, the actors that played the Doctor and Jamie had an ongoing thing where they were like, the subtext was that they were fucking. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that's hilarious. And that's absolutely what I have in my head. Like, that is that is canon. <laughs> it puts everything else in a new context, and I love it. <laughs> it came off a lot stronger this episode than it has previously, I think. So... Like, especially since Ben has left, like, the Jamie and the Doctor have been a lot more very close. But, like, this episode, like, the tension was there. <laughs> the tension of, we gotta, we gotta fight the Cybermen. But I'm so horny. <laughs> they didn't have to, like, split the male companion between two actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also important to note, uh, which is often the case, that literally fucking none of this would have happened if the Doctor left. Yes. Yeah, very true. Correct. 
everything that happens is his fault. <laughs> they just found an empty cavern with like a light that does like a rock on thing, and they would have been like, okay, cool, that's it. They left, and everything would have been fine. No one would have died. I I don't know. I kind of argue would argue that. Klieg would have insisted that they stay long enough for him to get inside and would have absolutely been the worst. So I I think the doctor really was just trying to be there to minimize the damages he caused. Yeah. The transparently evil man. I, I think that Klieg probably would have gotten there eventually. Like he, he broadly would have like just said, no, go sabotage the ship again. Give me more time. It's like it's like that thing when you're at a keypad and you're trying to break in. It's like one 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 two. Like he eventually <laughs> would have gotten to that point of like, oh, I figured it out. Yeah, he would have brute forced it. I think um the an issue I have and like it's something that happens like every episode. Anytime anything like remotely science comes up, it annoys me. The doctor is talking about like the like the symbolic logic or like the sequencing to open the doors and stuff, and Klee can't figure it out, and he was like gives him a suggestion and he's like oh of course and the doctor's like all right now let your archaeological skills go to work and i was like archaeologists don't know shit about binary and sequencing what the fuck are you talking about doctor he's a logician yes he's a logician caleb it's very important no whoa, 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 whoa. that does not get revealed until episode four <laughs> or as i call them a gang of nerds yeah and as we find out nerds are always the problem <laughs> yes nerds yes. are always the problem like also so when they're walking through, like, they split up immediately once they're inside, because why not? There's two doors. Let's do it. Um, when they're, like, walking down the hallway, I did like, and it's, like, it's a total bullshit explanation, but I did like how Jamie's like, how is it light in here if there's no windows? And they actually explained that it's, like, some kind of, like, sci-fi techno babble, and I was like, I kind of like that they, like, acknowledge that, yeah, there shouldn't be light in here, but it is, so deal with it. Jamie asking the real questions. Right. Yeah. I do like uh, how when they're separating, they're like divvying out the different parties, who's going to go in what room. Um, and someone someone says, I think the women should stay here. And then Victoria says, rubbish, we can make our own party. And then they go up and go off in a different room. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank you. Someone said it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was nice kind of seeing Victoria take any kind of agency. Uh, that being said... They then go into that room, and uh, my note is, Victoria, Victoria, please don't go into that alcove that says, insert Cybermen here. I'm begging you. (laughs) But they're so tall. Rejuvenation sounds nice. (laughs) It was made for me. (laughs) This is my hole. This is my (laughs) hole. Just some some Jinji Ito on on a Saturday morning. Yeah, it's fine. Um, on, on the note of, like, Jamie asking why it is that there's light even though there's no windows, and then the guy just doing a whole bunch of techno babble, and then Jamie interrupting him with, like, oh, I, that. (laughs) Jamie is such a himbo, and I love it. Like, he's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess there's a reason, sure. He is my himbo son, and I adore him. <laughs> yeah, he's he had an incredible showing in this in this uh, serial. I liked him a bunch. This this was actually my first uh, experience with him, and like yeah. everyone loves him, and I see why. And it was unforgettable. Speaking of the techno babble, there was a lot of it. A lot of techno babble. Yes, there's a lot in this episode. Yeah. And then also a lot of Kaftan just 
literally anyone anyone is looking away doing that cat thing where she's just like i'm gonna do everything <laughs> and then like the doctor is like what are you doing did you touch us no doctor looks away she immediately goes back to touching it it's like transparently evil yeah yeah. So e- even though she's not uh, guesting on this episode, anytime the Cybermats did come on screen, I made sure to pause and then rewind and then call my wife into the <laughs> into the room so that she could watch all the Cybermat scenes. And uh, her f- uh, five out of five stars uh, review of them is they're so stupid and I love them. <laughs> the Cybermats are very weirdly cute in this. Yeah, I do appreciate. The thing that, like, Jamie called a caterpillar, I thought that was a Cybermat. But then later we learn out that Cybermats are bigger? I think they're both Cybermats. I can see that. Because from what, I'm, from what I read of the trivia, they made a ton of them, and, like, all of them worked differently. Okay. Like, one of them had to be pulled along by a string. One of them was, like, one of those, they had wheels, and then you pull it back, and then it goes forward <laughs> kind of things. One of them was done by remote control. There were a lot of Cybermats. It does not surprise me that they were varying size and quality. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I did like all of the Cybermen, or, or the Cybermats. I thought they were very, very cute. I, I would also give them five out of five. Let them play with their Hot Wheels. Yes, exactly. I want to do that on the loop. I hated the Cybermats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't love the sound they made, but I did like the Cybermats. No, I hated him. Once I saw a little Cyberman caterpillar, I was like, that's fucking... <laughs> and then they made more of them. I was like, this is dumb. Why would they do this? <laughs> we are the perfect metallic life form. Let's make caterpillars. <laughs> also, as as like my my record with Doctor Who, like classic Doctor Who, there's someone that I'm, I see and I'm like, oh, he's cute, and then he dies. <laughs> that happens with... Uh, we're talking about Flannel Boy? Yeah, I was like, oh, he's very attractive, and get shot. And I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, okay. I, I do want to say that just, like, in general, a theme of this episode that I do really like, that we've kind of touched on so far, is the Doctor's desire to not open the tomb, and the Doctor's desire to show the fuck off. Being constantly in conflict in this story brings me no end in joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got to show off for the new companion. I gotta make her think I'm cool. <laughs> Hello, fellow teens. The ship has sailed for Jamie. He knows I'm lame, but Victoria doesn't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really liked this one overall. I, I think it was, like, there was enough going on that it never dragged. Like, there was mystery. I mean, we knew that it was the Cybermen as soon as they blow the doors open there and you see the giant, like, hieroglyphics of the Cybermen there. We knew it was a Cyberman from the name of the episode. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I did really like the art design in this, though. Like, I thought the sets all looked pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of made that note earlier, but, like, I thought the production value of everything was pretty ding-dang good most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think one of their uh, inspirations for the tomb was, like, the layout of uh, King Tut's tomb. Oh, Neat. that's really cool. Yeah, like, including, like, the traps that were in there. <laughs> right, have we moved to the second episode yet? Or No, we haven't. Uh, no, we have not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, on to episode two. On to episode two. The doctor arrives and turns everything off, but he isn't fast enough to save Peter. After investigating the room, they realize the Cyberman is a dummy, and this is actually a weapons testing room for a cyber gun hidden in the wall. 
It turns out Toberman, Captain, and Klieg have an agenda of their own, but what they're after isn't entirely clear. The Doctor helps Klieg finish the logical sequence, and they open up the hatch in the main area. After going down, they discover a massive multi-story container that appears to hold frozen Cybermen. Captain shuts the hatch, trapping everyone down below. Klieg solves another sequence and uses it to thaw out the Cybermen. Klieg reveals he belongs to a big gang of nerds, and they are tired of being pushed around. He wants to activate the Cyberman, Cybermen and use them to conquer Earthers. Victoria tries to open the hatch, but Captain pulls a gun on her. As she holds Victoria hostage, she's a, she is attacked by a Cybermat with a little caterpillar thing from before. The Cyber Controller, the largest of the Cybermen and obviously the leader, awakens and informs the group that you belong to us. I love the sequence when the Doctor, I, I think it's early in the episode where he's like, what I'm asking you to do is very dangerous. If you want to leave, you can, like, you, I, there's no shame in doing it. And Jamie goes to leave and says, not you, Jamie. And not you. <laughs> the comedic that timing was... with these two is really solid. Very good, yes. Yeah, I loved it. I, that's one of my first notes. Also, I, I love how the the fake Cyberman just, like, slides in. And, like, you immediately know, just, like, with how jerky it is, there's no person in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's like, yeah, that's, they had that rigged up. I do really like the idea of the Cybermen having, like, a weapon testing facility that they test weapons on themselves, specifically so that they can adapt to the weapons, so that they won't have to deal with that when they actually go to fight other people who might be using those weapons. I thought that was clever. I didn't get that logic, but I like I absolutely see it, it makes a lot of sense. Like that's actually that's a really cool take. And probably the intention. Yeah, I also didn't In in the first episode in that same chamber, like the hypnotic screen came on and they were like, Why would they need why would the Cybermen need to hypnotize anyone? They're like and I was like, Because it would make it way easier to convert them if they're not like That's what struggling. I thought, but they, ne- <laughs> they they never like kind of went down that path. No. I didn't understand yeah, I was why the wall... what the hypnosis wall was. Yeah, it was like, what? Well, to be fair, the only two people who actually, like, had that question, uh, one of them died three seconds later, and the other one was Jamie. So... <laughs> <laughs> so that question was never going to get answered anyway. Yeah. This was also the episode, like, in episode one, you're like, huh, people are scheming. But really, in this one is where you're like, oh... It's all the non-white people that are scheming. That's yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's kind of where I had an inkling of like, this is gonna get racist. In, in Toberman's defense, was he really scheming, or was he just kind of there? He was on the side of the schemers, so it was like the good, upstanding British and the American himbo, and the Scottish himbo also. And then there's the schemers. The, the vaguely brown skin. Yeah, yeah. questionably. I mean, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, we, we could spend so long talking about this. As a side thing, the audio quality was such that I could not, like, Toberman's name just could not stick with me, so I took all my notes with his name being Toblerone. <laughs> Toblerone. <laughs> I did fully have to turn on subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys not watch everything with subtitles? I watch everything with subtitles. I can't hear without subtitles. I was going to say, I watch I usually everything with subtitles now. I often am eating stuff when I'm watching, and uh, food is loud inside mouth, so I turn on subtitles. Yeah, I will absolutely do that. 
Like, if there are subtitles, I do that while I'm eating. But usually, I don't have. I think I'm just. I think I'm just an idiot, and like I. <laughs> In my later years of being 30, I just genuinely cannot comprehend scenes unless I can read what is happening. When I need to take notes, I turn on subtitles. When I'm just like, okay, this is vacuous. I'm just turning my brain off. No subtitles. Like, I watch She-Hulk without subtitles. So we're in the room that the weapon had just been tested on. And um, they were like poking at the cybermat. I think the doctor says, I'd leave it alone if I were you, and then they all start to leave. And then Victoria puts the cybermat in her bag, and I'm like, God damn it, Victoria. <laughs> but look at it, it was so cute. It ends up saving her later by accident, but it does end up saving her later, so it's for the best that she took it with her. But God damn it, Victoria. <laughs> Victoria is more subtle about it, but Victoria's got the same, like, I was like, oh, you want me to leave this alone? Fuck you, it's mine. <laughs> And then it's uh, revealed that they can't get their their rocket working soon. Like, it's not, not going to be ready to take off for, like, two days. And uh, so they're like, well, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll just have to stay here. And I had the thought that obviously they can't use the TARDIS to get them back home because it would probably take a couple trips before they finally got to where they needed to go. But they could at least, like, stay in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Like, camp out inside the TARDIS instead of inside this obviously dangerous tomb? Or even, like, the rocket ship, right? I mean, like, it's not like the whole rocket is broken. Right. It's just they, the engine. I'm sure there are living quarters on the rocket. Also, counterpoint, I don't trust Kaftan to not go around and mess with every lever in this tomb. She would wreak havoc in the TARDIS. That is fair. They would definitely try to steal the TARDIS. The American tried to keep everyone off the rocket because he didn't trust anyone not to break things, which is justified because it was Toblerone that went and d- sabotaged it. That's fair. And and then, since they were going to be staying there for a couple of days, I think it was... I th- I think it was... Uh, man, I'm blanking on people's names. Um, evil guy. Kleeg? Kleeg, yeah. Kleeg says, well, since we're staying here anyway, we may as well explore further down. And then uh, the scientist says, well, it seems we have little choice. Uh, And then I quoted Billy Madison. uh, What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. (laughs) At no point in your response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) (laughs) Very that. It's possible not to touch things unless you're Kaftan. Or Klieg. They're British. They don't have the capacity. But guys, I don't think you understand that th- this has been almost every arc in this show. <laughs> They're like, well, we can't we can't do the sensible thing, so I guess we'll do something fucking stupid. Well, we've still got three more episodes to kill, so uh, let's go wake up some Cybermen. Yeah, this was like, I feel like one of the things about like New Doctor is like, I feel like they at least try to justify why they're doing something. This is before. Yeah, <laughs> this is the fuck around and find out. Uh, stage. Yes, this is the fuck around work. It was also pretty cute when the Cybermen, Cybermen uh, were waking back up and going through the uh, the saran wrap that covered each of their pods. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it did give very turtle breaking through their soft-shelled <laughs> egg. I will say, like, yeah. that, I mean, like, not to, like, jump ahead too much, but, like, I thought that was a really creepy effect. Like, the fact that, like, these, like, cyber things were being like birthed 
it, because it was so low budget, it really worked for me. Like, this is unnatural and mm-hmm. creepy. Like, I thought that was That'd a agree. really, really cool thing. And, like, also, it was just a neat effect. I did laugh when they when some of the Cybermen couldn't get their heads through. So they had to, like, try to tear upwards <laughs> or bend really low because the helmet was so big. Yeah. I, di- I did have that because, like, I thought it was cool, like, you know, them pushing through, like, the egg sack or whatever. Like, that was all a great sequence. And then I thought, but why? Why did Cybermen need Frozen? Why couldn't they just be turned off? Well, the, they do have organic parts. Do they, though? Has that they been do. established? Yeah. They're, they're, they're people in, in cyber armor with their emotions turned off. I must have missed that part because I thought they were just robots. I mean, to be fair, I don't know exactly what all has been established before now. I know that is something that does become more like clear, I think, the more times Cybermen show up. We have yet to see a full cyber conversion it's been established that people can be converted to Cybermen, but I thought like they would be brainwashed and then gradually Warhammer 40,000 reference Adeptus Mechanicus slowly added to robot. <laughs> yeah. Just like the, the, the shot of the thing melting, but just like with like little mechanical pieces being put on their face very slowly. Yeah, it gave me the Borg, but like Tobor. No, cyber, Cybermen are the Borg. That's mm. They're just straight up the Borg. Okay. For like a quick related tangent, there is a comic that came out um, a while ago. It was when the Eleventh Doctor was on. It was a crossover between Star Trek and Doctor Who, and the Borg and the Cybermen that. are both the villains. And I really, love it. it's a good comic. Which one was the Eleventh Doctor? Matt Smith. Okay. I don't remember what the context of this was, so you guys will have to help me out. But I do like how uh, like Toberman like grabbed the Doctor's uh, lapel as like a threat. And Jamie came up, he's like, let the doctor pass, or I'll... <clears throat> well, let the doctor pass. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they were really going for, like, the comedic relief in this episode, so... Yeah. <laughs> which I wasn't complaining about, but it is different than how it's been. He does this later, and I was, like, in a later episode, but he did it throughout, I just only noted it later. Jamie is the king of, like, the the aspect ratio, like, moves the camera a little bit, and he's immediately behind, like, someone's shoulder. Yeah. Like, he, he does that a few times, like, whether it's the doctor or just, like, the pilot or stuff, and it's like, oh, Jamie's there, too. Fraser Hines, gotta, he's gotta, gotta get in the shot. Come on. <laughs> With a face like that. This is another tangent, but the Cybermen have been redesigned. I don't know if they've been redesigned from, like, the second episode to the third episode, uh, but even though they looked really dumb the first time they were around, they still just look kind of stupid. Yeah. Oh, with the full seam in the controller's helmet that is, like, half an inch open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to continue, just so you know. These are <laughs> these are Telogian Cybermen. I believe the first time they're introduced, it's, is it the Mondasian Cybermen? Is that, is that it, Matt? Uh, yeah, the in 10th Planet, they were from Mondas. These ones are the same ones from Moonbase. And they actually make a comment about that later. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they remember the Doctor or something. Yeah. I will say another point when I, of the one-man Victoria defense squad that I am, she wanted to go down into the tomb with everyone else. Like, she was like, all right, let's go. And everyone was like, no, no, no. You stay here. And she's like, but... And they treated her like an infant. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of when I was like... That's when I looked it up, and it was like, oh, okay, like, she is, like, 16. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's like the thing from Community where it's like, I can excuse endangering grown adults, but I'll draw the line at a child. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they go down into the tomb 
and uh, uh, they find the little control panel next to the next to the frozen tomb, and Klieg is doing some uh, doing some maneuvers in order to thaw it. And my note is, I'm surprised the doctor didn't notice that he was doing the thawing sequence. Uh, and then my sub note is, oh, he did notice. He's just a dick. Yeah, it's like the thing he does later too, where he's like, he's like, oh, you are insane. Cool. Yeah. Like, I think it was kind of a weird long game, but it's like, did you need to do that? He's basically, his logic is basically, okay, so I need the evil person to do the evil thing in order to stop him from doing the evil thing, because otherwise I'm going to look like a total dillweed if I just punch him right now before he's done anything. And this is why it's a British show and not an American show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I I can very much see it as... The doctor is insanely curious, but now he is a scapegoat. He is like, I kind of want to open the do it. <laughs> I kind of want to see what happens when we thought the Cybermen, but like, I can't do that. That's bad. But this guy, I mean, it wasn't me. It was him. I mean, yeah, I told him how to do it. That is also a very fair point. <laughs> Caleb, I think without having seen any past this episode, you have absolutely contextualized so much Doctor Who for me. <laughs> that tracks so much throughout the entire show. Without the rest of the context, the read that I got was, okay, there's something wrong with Klieg. I need to find out what it is before I could try to stop him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But but this is apparently just a thing. So, like, uh. well, six of one, half a dozen the other. <laughs> he can have multiple motivations. <laughs> I'm going to say there's usually there's usually some other, like, antagonistic human force in all the episodes. And the Doctor is either just, like, not concerned with what they're doing until it's a problem, or knows what they're doing and then does nothing about it. So he can stop them beforehand, he just chooses not. Yeah. And and then uh, Klieg goes on uh, his tirade and talks about how he is extremely logical in all things he does. And I'm like, I personally found in my own my own experiences uh, that the people who brag about being extremely logical Usually the stupidest people in the room. <laughs> yeah, I had the note, too, of, like, you keep using that word. I don't think you know what it means. Yeah, case in point, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> this this idiot thinks that uh, he's awakened the Cybermen and is like, now they owe me. Now they will Now they will follow me. Like, Or they could just not. I am very smart, says the guy that was led by his nose to open the tomb. Yeah. Um, and then they're waking up, and we have... The return of the awesome Cybermen theme that I was just like, I was just like banging my head to the entire time. Yeah, the musical cues were, were pretty solid, actually. It's like when they're waking up and like you see all of them like in that like kind of like tomb, like that's a performance art piece. Like where they're just all like writhing. By the way. All done in one take, which they were very surprised by. They were expecting to have to do multiple takes, and they were like, oh, shit. I saw that, too. We're good. Like, that's, that's impressive, actually. And I bet the director was like, oh, well, shit. If I knew that we were only going to do one take here, I would have totally made them not hold hands earlier. Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the things we lose when we no longer have physical film. Um, multiple episodes were lost. That's, that's what we lose. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, back up on the surface, Victoria is being held at uh, 
uh, gunpoint, and then uh, evil lady gets attacked by the Cybermat, and then Victoria fucking caps its ass. <laughs> yeah, so Victoria's from when now? Like 1860s, you said? 1867, yes. She is very comfortable with the gun. I was. That's my sub-note. For a teenager from the Victorian age, she knows how to handle a modern-day pistol pretty goddamn well. I mean, it's like, there, <laughs> there were guns then, but like, yeah. muskets. <laughs> but like, not... Not pistols like this. Yeah, she's like, I mean, like, go Victoria, like, just showing off, like, she can be a boss-ass bitch when she wants to be. Speaking of pistols, would they still be using pistols like that on another planet in the year 2300? I am surprised that they didn't have some sort of ray gun, I will admit. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, absolutely a prop cap gun. Yeah. Another, just, like, quiet, good job Victoria moment was she needed to open up the... The thing the to hatch. go down into the tomb, the, the hatch, thank you. She needed to open up the hatch to go down to the tomb, but she didn't know what buttons to push. So instead of just randomly pushing buttons and probably making things worse, she's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the rocket ship and get one of these future men. They probably know what these buttons do better than I do. <laughs> yeah, like knowing your environment. Like, it's, yeah, it's like it, it it's is like, always nice mm. when a companion is like actually self-aware where it's like. No, I will not know how to do this. Let me find someone who can. Like, instead of just, you know, just guns blazing, just, okay, let me fiddle. I've got a wrench. I'm going to bang on it. (laughs) (laughs) We're not cavemen, SpongeBob. We have technology. (laughs) We have technology. (laughs) And then my last note for this episode is, oh, gosh, the Cybermen aren't going along with the stupid human's plan. Imagine that. A classic faux pas that you think you can barter with the Cybermen. No, no heart. Like when this when the cyber controller like comes out of like that center thing, I don't know if it was the way the fabric fell, but I I feel like it got a little bit of like gray sweatpants dick print. It could have just been how it <laughs> fell, but I was like, is that what I think it is? I didn't I didn't notice, but I believe you. <laughs> For once, I wasn't looking. The way the jumpsuit fell, like it's. Similar, like, the way that sweatpants evolved. I was just like... It could also be, like, how, like, uh, jeans fold in just the right way where it looks like you have a boner, but you really don't. That's probably what it was. It's weirdly folded. Yeah, because, I mean, like, all of the Cyberman suits were just, like, frumpy. Like, just, like, hanging Mm -hmm. off of everyone's bodies. Yeah. Not everyone's outfits can fit as well as Toblerone's. (laughs) It's true. Bob, it's it's okay to admit it. It's all right if you wrote uh, erotica fanfiction about this episode. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I said that the Cybermen keep parts of human bodies. I didn't say what parts. <laughs> I'll just say they're the parts I enjoy. There is absolutely, and I say this, I not watch it, but I know that there is a Doctor Who porn out there, and it's bad. Like, Of course it is, Bob. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's Tenth Doctor, and it's just like, Oh, man. Of course it is, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, oh, oh, no. Oh, absolutely not. And Daleks do play a part in that. Oh, they have Yeah, to. they have. Of course they do, Bob. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give any more details because it's going to sound like I've actually watched this. Uh, I would not be surprised if said Doctor Who porno was based on the last episode, which literally involves a, do- a Dalek breeding program. Oh, no. Yep. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Yeah, you'll, oh. you'll, you'll get to listen to that one here in a couple weeks. Oh. 
Yeah, I do like how the Cybermen come out and Kaliga's just like, now you will listen to me. And the Cybermen are like, no. No. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Instead, I think I'm going to raise my hand and put uh, lightningbolt.jpg up on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that lightningbolt.jpg looks crisp, though. (laughs) I love the the effects of the time where it's like, you just had to like overlay this actual other thing. So like anytime... You're going to see, like, one of those, like, um, it happens later when the, the controller and Tob- uh, Toberman, I almost called him Toberon, uh, we're doing that thing. It's, like, the <laughs> same thing where it's, like, they, they go into very specific spots in the shot, and it's, like, okay, yeah, there's going to be an effect. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite, though. My my last note about this episode is, like, well, we're so much more big budget now, but, like, I can't get over the Cyberman outfits. Because when it zooms in on the controller's face, like... <laughs> It looks like a marker was drawn around the mouth, and then it kind of smears off the end. The eyes are different sizes and like slightly lopsided. And I'm like, did did kindergartners make the costume? So I did. Uh, I did look up that um, originally, like that egg that he has on his head, it was supposed to glow, but they couldn't get the effect yeah. to work right. Which like would have looked pretty cool actually, but yeah. Oh well. Uh, but I'm ready for episode three if you guys Yeah, are. let's do it. Episode yeah. three. Um, spoilers, this is my least favorite episode. Uh, as you'll tell by the four lines I wrote about it. <laughs> the Cybermen recognize the Doctor and say they have records of his involvement with them, which seems to unnerve him. They designed the tomb so that only intelligent beings like the Doctor could enter it. They plan on using the crew to invade and conquer Earth. The expedition's pilot, Vic, arrives and heads into the tomb. He manages to rescue everyone, and they all escape, with the exception of Klieg and Toberman. Eventually, Klieg finds his way out, and he is convinced he can control the Cybermen if he can find some leverage. The Cybermen, trapped beneath the hatch, release a swarm of Cybermats to attack the crew. Klieg and Captain take the Cybergun from the testing The Doctor uses a cable to create an electrical field that deactivates the Cybermats, but Klieg appears with his gun and shoots someone off screen. I think that the Captain's name was Hopper. Because I made a specific point of uh, noting that they keep calling Victoria Vic, and she's like, don't call me that. And then immediately, I wouldn't do that, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> they keep calling her Vic, and she's like... At a certain point, she just stops caring, because like they're obviously not going to listen to her, because she is a woman and a child. She's like, you're lucky I used up all the ammo on that Cybermat, because... I could have sworn <laughs> the pilot's name was Vic. I don't know. Maybe I read the wiki wrong. You scream real good, Vic. <laughs> you scream real good. I-, I had to do everything I could not to write down Vicky when I was writing down the descriptions with Victoria. Oh, dearly departed. <laughs> so. Oh, is that someone that was... It was an older companion. Yeah, one of the best companions we've had. Not a, not a fan favorite, but a podcast favorite. Mac, did you send Caleb that thing that I sent you? Uh, what thing did you send me? Okay, so they, they actually just recently released, I think, like, oh, the, com- yes. the compiled yes, did. Vicky era of the show, like, on DVD with, like, mm-hmm. interviews and stuff. And they filmed, like, a like a postscript for her character. Yeah, they, they, they filmed, like, a, a little scene for the trailer of, like, her. But uh, my, my first note of this episode is, uh, thank God for subtitles. I needed this so badly during yep. the moon base. Because I couldn't understand what the hell the Cyberman was saying half the time. Yeah, in theory, I like the Cyberman voice, but it is super hard to hear what they're saying. Way easier with subtitles. When the Cybermen talk, it's like they're running their voice through a vocoder or like a digitizer, like some kind of effect. It mm-hmm. doesn't cut out the fact that there's a very deep northern accent under it. 
I don't know if you caught that where it's like, yeah, yo will be. And I was like, oh, no, actually, <laughs> they they <laughs> just they just said, Dude, you just talk. <laughs> but like the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, it's just full on accent. Most everything that the Cybermen say seem to translate to integrate, integrate. Yes, actually. It was like, um, oh, also the fact that the, the Cybermen uh, or the Cyber Commander was like, we will survive. We will survive. It's like, okay, he's out here singing Gloria Gaynor. Like, just like, <laughs> just going to get a whole ass musical number here. Bob, you keep referencing this. I'm not sure if you've listened to this podcast before, that's not even but I notoriously musical. hate them. <laughs> it's, it's I Will Survive. You know that song. Oh, do I? I don't know. I think you're, I think you're overestimating how much of a culturally aware I am. I do like how Victoria kept is like she went to go get help from the future spacemen and then they come back and they're just like not taking her word on anything and she is just as frustrated as I am that they are not believing her about the about the hatch mm-hmm. and the betrayal and everything and the cybermats and they're just like uh-huh sure Vic I'm like why would she lie to you <laughs> It's like they think she's the transparently evil one and not the actually transparently evil person. (laughs) Who moved in the time that Victoria took to come back? And I was like, oh, is that like a production mistake? And no, like, she's actually not. I do like how the Cybermen specifically reference the previous episodes. And they're like, yeah, no, you blew up Mondas and you sent an indeterminate amount of us flying into space. So you're like at the top of our shit list uh but you kicked our ass so bad last time we decided we needed to take a big nap (laughs) (laughs) it's time for sleeps we're getting around to it (laughs) one of these days we're gonna get you doctor so i don't like this episode all that much it kind of drags and nothing really happens but one thing i do appreciate is while the doctor is like trapped down there and especially after the controller says yeah we're aware of who you are he seems like genuinely afraid the whole time they're down there (laughs) Like, when they start talking about, like, we're going to freeze you guys, the Doctor's like, I have no fucking idea what to do. I found some moments in this episode hilarious. Like, when they're trapped by the Cybermats. <laughs> yeah. They're just all... Ad- he puts down the the piping, and the the little bit of smoke, smoke comes out, and they just somehow fall over because they're already lying on the ground. I'm like... Yeah, Never is it explained that there's, like, an electrical current running through the ground or, like, anything that would, like, explain why that happened. Again, it was a Cybermat scene, so I brought my wife in to watch it. And then that happened, and she just, like, slowly turned to me, and she was just like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I also, I love when, like, um, the Cybermen have the people down by the tomb, like, trapped. They all run away, and like we get a we get like a Scooby Doo chase with Jamie and the Cybermen, even though like he runs around the pillar. They have like one little set, and they did get the most out of it. Anytime that the Cybermen, what's the word I'm looking for? Jittering, war cry. I don't know. The noise they make when they're trying to subdue the humans is very annoying because they're just like I'm like shut up, shut up, please. Oh. Suddenly, Mac is annoyed by sounds in this show. <laughs> Caleb, I am always annoyed by sounds in this show. It happened one time that I wasn't annoyed by something you were annoyed always by. Always has been. Also, I noted, oh, Krieg and Kaftan are still plotting. 
even after all of that bullshit. I can't decide who was the worst character between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, I, this was the episode where I figured out that her name was Captain, and I was like, "Is that it?" I, I was like, "Is that an actual name?" I I, I don't know. Oh, fully. Like, I've never heard anyone name that. I don't doubt that it is. Before this, all of my notes regarding her were Miss Paisley because of that war crime. I call her Lady M. Uh, because she really wants to be Lady Macbeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. This was our audition. Absolutely. Literally the shots where like she's talking to Cleek and Cleek is looking one way and she's literally facing him talking to his ear. Like, it's like, yeah, that's Lady M. We, we haven't really brought her up yet, but uh, it's important to note that like in every scene, she's always had like this wild eye look. Yeah. She's trying so. to be the angle on his shoulder. <laughs> the angle or his devil. There, there isn't, again defending victoria in this episode i love how um captain has uh victoria and the captain at gunpoint and captain's already been attacked by cybermats at one point before this while holding someone at gunpoint so victoria just like looks over to the right and then screams even though there's nothing there and she turns and that's when they like grab the gun mm-hmm. i'm like this i think this is the first time any any of the female companions have weaponized the scream. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's like, I, I thought that was actually really cool. And then um, when Klieg gets, like when he gets that gun, it, they call it an x-ray laser. Watch out. He's <laughs> going to get a picture of your arm. <laughs> I did pause and Google like, is x-ray laser possible? No, I actually love this trope in sci-fi. I love it when sci-fi shows like say things and I like that's flagrantly wrong. <laughs> One of my favorite movies is Ad Astra. Uh, it's got Brad Pitt in it. That's not why it's my favorite. They refer to something as an antimatter wave. I'm like, that's not how antimatter <laughs> works. <laughs> I do love a good sci-fi hand wave where it's like you made an attempt to come up with something, and like it's even funnier watching it like you know like 50 years in the future where it's like we know exactly what an X-ray does now, and it's not that. <laughs> They were bombarded with tachyons, and it gave them superpowers. <laughs> I just want to go to the doctor and be like, all right, we're going to give you an x-ray, and the patient just explodes. <laughs> yeah, you just scream like Victoria. <laughs> you scream real good, Vic. I, my note is you give, a, you give a dude one gun, and he thinks he's God. It is no coincidence that this is the guy who is talking about how he is the most logical out of all of them. Like, if this were modern day, this guy would just, like, I have at least a hundred followers on Twitter, and I'm kind of a big deal on Reddit. You have to listen to him because he's a doctor. That's just doctors in general. He has a doctorate. That's not the same. (laughs) (laughs) I I love um, the little runway that the Cybermen had for the Cybermats. (laughs) <laughs> and they said they said put the cyber mats on the runway and literally me being me i was like oh work like we're gonna get a runway what's the theme <laughs> and i was like god damn it i hate being gay <laughs> um we haven't brought up the most important part of this episode which is the little fucking power ranger gesture the cyberman make to shoot their lightning bolts oh yeah it's it the <laughs> It's not even like raising their hands. It seems like they're like pinching their thumbs and their forefingers together. So it looks very sassy. It looks very like, <laughs> Also in their middens. Are they, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked very much uh, the cobras from uh, Dodgeball. Just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think their gloves were like 
they had to have two two fingers in each half of it because like it was split like the um, the spot. Yeah, thank you. I love. Um, we got to talk about the visible rigging because I was just like, thank you, God. We get when when uh, Toberman picks up the Cyber Commander and like throws. Oh up, yeah, and like oh yeah, no, no, the Cyber Commander picks up Toberman and like you see the visible like it, the, it, the shots yeah. switches and there's visible rigging as he gets lifted up. I love that. <laughs> you can see the wire. I love that so much. When they're sleeping and the Cybermats come out of the little like hole in the wall, whatever. They're making a lot of noise that sounds like alarm clocks. How does no one wake up? Like, it, it's the most annoying It's thing. been a long day. <laughs> that is a genuine question, Bob. I think the more important question is, why are the Cybermats cute? Why did they yeah, specifically design them to make them so they're cute? They're pretty cute, actually. Like, I, I thought they were adorable. They also very clearly only had, like, I think two working of the big ones. Because, like, you see a bunch of them laying around after they get shocked, but when they're sending them up mm-hmm. the, the runway, there's only two of them. And, like, they're always looking at the floor and you don't see them moving around. And it's just like, oh, wow, budget. Yeah. You, you say working, and that's very generous of you. <laughs> this reminds me of in the first Daleks episode when there's only three Daleks that moved around. Or, no, they, they only had three Daleks, period, right? Yeah, they only had three Daleks, so they used life-size cardboard cutouts in the background to imply that they had more Daleks and it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but Very only good. three moved at a time. I, I just love that. That's There was a note that I remember taking somewhere like comparing this to Once Upon a Time being like, well, the effect quality is just the same, but at least it's physical instead of CGI hell. That's CGI. Yeah. The, uh, also, the, in that moment where they're, like, running around and all the Cybermats are attacking, and, like, there's, like, seven people running towards the door to leave the tube, and there's one little Cybermat, and they're like, ah, and they run the other way. I was like, come on. Yeah, yeah I make that note. It's because someone says they can't get past all of them. I was like, yeah, you can't get past all of them. It's not like you can, like, kick them. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> or just step over them. Right, yeah, like, you could, in your normal gait, just walk over it. I don't remember when it is, but I will go ahead and make, I'll go ahead and use this trivia now. I think it's in episode two. Um, Victoria asks what a cybermat is. And then the doctor uh, is like flipping through a book that would have the information. Um, Victoria asks what a cybermat is. And uh, the doctor says, well, it's this. And then he just, uh, and then he continues with his next line and goes on. That was improved by Patrick Troughton. Because he couldn't remember his line. So he's just like, this. <laughs> I really hope that every time we see the Cybermats in the future, they never get an actual explanation of what they do. It's just, it's that thing. Yeah. So I'm assuming the line that Patrick Troughton forgot was explaining what the fuck the Cybermats are. Because from what I can tell, they're like a scout force. That paralyzes people, so it's easier for the Cybermen to capture them. That's my assumption. <laughs> so wait, do they actually not get explained ever? Uh, they don't get explained in this episode. I don't remember if the Cybermats actually get an explanation as to what they are, or if I've just inferred that from all the episodes I watched. <laughs> I've only seen one other episode with the Cybermat, and it is a New Who episode, and I do think they do get explained. Yeah. But so... you got a while. Yeah. But I know we've been poking fun at a lot of stuff, and uh, 
I do want to say, I genuinely love the scene where everyone is, like, sleeping. Oh, and yes. And Victoria, Victoria is uh, keeping watch. And then the doctor wakes up and says, oh, you should have woke me up, like, 20 minutes ago. And they have, like, this one-on-one conversation where, like, they kind of address the fact that Victoria hasn't really had a chance to mourn the fact that her father died less than a day ago. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the doctor gives relatively solid advice in terms of like moving on from death of like you still honor the people and eventually it will be less sad because you'll remember the good times and you'll eventually be able to not forget them but always have them on the shelf so that you can like pull out the memory of them whenever it is you want and like he he even mentions like oh i of course I remember my family, but they're always, they're always sleeping in the back of my mind. Yeah, that was a really well-acted scene. I, I liked, like, anytime we get, like, kind of, I guess, like, lore from the Doctor talking about his past, it, it's usually really well done. And yeah. also just the fact that it's, it's kind of ultimately so depressing that the Doctor doesn't remember what his daughter looks like. Or his granddaughter, I mean. I mean, we, yeah, and we've, we've seen, like, we, we get to see, at least... For those of us who have watched up to this point, we get to see him leaving some of his family behind. So, like, when he's talking about how his family sleeps in the back of his mind, we have a face. We remember someone specifically that he's talking about. And I just think it would be a very beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, now let's get back to... Uh, Taking the absolute I have issues with this scene. Okay. Hit me. My first one being the doctor, you know, he wakes up, sits down. I, I agree. Overall, the scene's well acted. I, I think it's well written. I wish it was like three episodes later mm. because he starts it with, are you having fun? And then Victoria goes, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? So far, you've been with the doctor for like 12 hours and you've been trapped in a sarcophagus. You've been held at gunpoint. The Stockholm Syndrome is strong. <laughs> I am amazed that that is what she said. And then, like, he's giving her advice on grief. The doctor says, you miss him, don't you? I was like, it's been, like, 12 hours, doctor. It's been, like, his body's, like, barely cold on Scarrow. <laughs> and you're kind of like, well, get over it. I will say, again, in Victoria's defense, he asks her, are you happy with us? And, like, what's she going to do? Say, if I say no, will you bring my dad back to life? <laughs> and that's the Stockholm thing. I mean, uh... I, yeah, I, I, it, it feels very Stockholm syndrome and like faster than you. Yeah. Um, than usual. <laughs> yeah, than usual. Um, oh, uh, boy. I, I have issues with the way the companions just kind of go along with things in the show. Su- surprise. The only rational companion has been Ben because the whole time he was consistent on this is not where I want to be. I want to go home. I want to go join the Navy. But a lot of times, like, the companions are very much like, oh, well, like, wow, we're in a different place than 1960s London. Well, let's see what it's all about. And in my mind, I'm like, I would never do that. I would want to leave. Because <laughs> you have so. zero sense of adventure, which is as hilarious as it is frustrating. <laughs> no, uh, like, all the companions the whole time have Stockholm Syndrome. There's no other way to interpret it. <laughs> but I've, I've got one more note about this episode. As do I. And it's, if you guys have listened to the podcast at all, it's a very consistent critique I have. So everyone escapes up the hatch, and then Toberman and Klieg, two-thirds of the bad guys, are trapped down there. And then the leader, whoever his name is, he's like, well, we should go back for them, even if they are murderers. And then my response was, no, you don't, actually. (laughs) 
I will argue that actually when you're when you're done. Well, I mean, no, that's it. My, my solution all the time is actually don't help the bad guys at all. That, that's the opposite. Actually, you should do things to stop them from getting out of the match. So the doctor says they'll do more damage down there than up here. And it's like, if the Cybermen do convert him, then are they just going to be able to add to their ranks and then be able to break out? Or, like, if they do leave them there and someone comes in the future and lets them out how much trouble are they going to cause? So, like, better to prevent that eventuality? I, I'm with Seth on this, because, like, when the Cybermen are, like, chasing them up the thing and they close the hatch on them, they're banging, and, like, you can see that door starting to buckle. I mean, like, I know it's, like, a cheap thing, but, like, in the kayfabe of the show, the door is starting to yeah. break. If they, if they keep banging on it, it's not going to hold. Yeah, Caleb, it's zombie apocalypse rules. Like, you want to shoot the person in the head before they have a chance to become a zombie. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I think Klieg would be hilarious, Cyberman, because the controller <laughs> would be like, we need to do this. And then Klieg would be like, no, we need to do this. <laughs> Just, like, fiddles with the controls a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Captain's the one I really want to see as a Cyberman. If, if, I, if I remember correctly, there is a moment where uh, the Cybermen are like, yes, okay, we, w- we will do your plan. And Klieg is like, yes, wonderful! He's like, but we do na- need to make a few minor adjustments if you're going to work with us. <laughs> oh really <laughs> no, i was gonna say my rationale would be like oh Kleeg and Tobram are down there good let's blow this fucker up <laughs> done and done my last note is um so they put down the cord or whatever to uh fry the cybermats and uh they say the reason the cybermats were coming out to them is because quote they home in on human brainwaves and my sub note is ah oh, jamie you'll be fine then <laughs> oh Jamie, you're safe, thank God. <laughs> it's like that part in Billy and Mandy where it's like, it survives off of ki- of eating human brains, and it's like trying, it's sucking on the side of Billy's head, and Mandy's just like, poor thing's gonna starve. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, episode four. One of the other crew members, Callum, is the one who is shot, but Cleeg claims he purposefully didn't kill him. The cyber controller tells his men to take a little nap and heads up to confront the crew with a brainwashed Toberman. Klieg, with his fancy new gun, forces the controller, the doctor, and the rest of the crew into the sarcophagus. For some reason, the doctor helps the controller get into the sarcophagus and brings him up to full strength. The controller then uses his cyber brainwaves to tell Toberman to attack Klieg. The group then head back into the main room and the controller smokes Captain quite literally. Toberman awakens from his brainwash and just beats the shit out of the controller. The Doctor and Toberman head down to the tomb to freeze the Cybermen for good while the others retreat. Klieg is still alive though and goes down to confront the tomb. After monologuing about how great he is, he gets got by a Cyberman and the Doctor uses the controls to freeze them. After the Doctor re-electrifies the door and controls, they try to escape as the controller comes back in for another round. Toberman sacrifices himself to shut the door and trap the Cybermen inside. The episode ends with everyone being very sad and fucking off to their respective sh- My first note is, wow. Your aim sucks. Not only did you fail to hit the doctor, you also failed to kill the guy you actually hit. <laughs> I did kind of interpret that because, like, at the end of episode three, Callum goes, Doctor, look out. So I did kind of interpret it as, like, a dive. No. <laughs> and then Klieg has a moment of, like, I totally meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, my I know. logical mind 
really helped me with that one. <laughs> My first note for the episode was, oh, the after effects of the communication between the controller and Toblerone. Oh boy, I love it. <laughs> yeah. My second note is, he's alive! <laughs> <laughs> because they have Toberon, a Toberon. I don't even know what the guy's name is anymore. Uh, Toberman down in the crypt, and the Cybermen have like been doing cyber things, and he just like sits up like the fucking Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question because I don't think it ever gets brought up, but they give Toberman like the sweet robot. Yeah, arm? no, he's got yeah. sweet robot arm now. It never gets brought up though, because it would have been as fuck that's how you know that he has been partially converted mm-hmm. which yeah. also i don't know how they didn't figure out that he was converted beforehand like when he first came up because he had the drape over it yeah and mm-hmm. like entirely before that toblerone was all about showing off his massive guns because like ooh, that shirt was very tight fitting on those arms yeah i love how um when the cyber controller gets up to like the the main surface level he needs to get reinvigorated, and it's just, like, out of nowhere. It's like, oh, we need to use this set one more time. It's just, like, I've been, like, cryogenically frozen for, like, a hundred plus years. I need a cyber coffee, or else I'm not going to be able to do anything today. <laughs> and then, like, they're like, oh, we need to stop him. He'll stay in there, and then he doesn't stay in there. <laughs> I do love how the cyber controller comes up onto the surface, and uh, Klieg has the gun, and he's like, you are now under my control! And I'm like, Dude, you're pointing a gun at him. Put your dick away. (laughs) (laughs) This is also the episode where Toblerone says destroy. And I'm pretty sure that was the first line that he's had in all four episodes. I feel like he had something. After this, he says evil rar. Yeah, after the rousing speech that the doctor gives him. That He he does talk the most in this episode, Mm -hmm. but I feel like he said like, Something yeah, I feel before. like there was like one or two lines, but not much, but... But still in that very simple, like, one-word answers thing. I do make the note of, like, Toberman is, like, obviously brainwashed, and, like, no one really brings it up until it's a problem. Klieg is like, you go in there, and Toberman's gonna stay here, and then the controller just looks at Toberman, and there's, like, the electric brainwave effect between them. <laughs> obviously, they don't see that, but Toberman is just, like stiff and like mm-hmm. robot walking the whole time and everyone's like yeah he's fine that's toberman but up but up good old silent giant i have the note of um because they trap the the cyber controller in the, the rejuvenation chamber and then jamie ties it up like a christmas like a christmas present like like rope and i have the note of oh that's one of my knots mr frodo it's not coming undone anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, then, and then the cyber controller immediately bursts yeah, he out. Yeah, comes out for 11. And then, and then the doctor makes the note of, Jamie, remind me to give you a lesson on how to tie knots sometime. I do love Jamie's line because he's like, oh yeah, one of the great beasties gonna get out of that one. But then also, like, was it really Jamie's fault? Because he kind of went through the door. It's not like he, like, pushed it open. Yeah. Was that rope really gonna stop him from just... He broke the door, not the knot. Rope really gonna stop him from getting out that way? You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I did think it was weird that the doctor helped him into the sarcophagus at all. I think he was trying to just trap him. Yeah. Yeah. But why? He's like so tired he can't. He said the line of, Do, would you rather him be locked in there or out here with us? So like. Totally agree. But the controller also was like so weak he could barely stand. So was he really that big of a threat? Push him over. 
He's a tin can. He did earlier in like the last episode push down uh, Klieg. Speaking of Klieg, it's can we all agree that it's fucking bullshit that uh, Toberman brained him with his robot arm and then he just gets up a couple minutes later? <laughs> yeah, total bullshit. Because I, I thought, yeah, Klieg got God. And then he got up and like, God damn it, every fucking No time. one's ever dead. The strong man's always strong when it's convenient. But we got to talk about the best part of this episode. After Toberman knocks out Klieg, and then the controller comes out all strong, and uh, he does what everyone should have done earlier, and just shoots Captain when she starts acting up. <laughs> How should she look when she dies? Put a smoke bomb in her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, that's great. Uh, I was like, literally smokes her. Great. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> At this point, it's revealed that Toberman is on the cyber controller's side, and uh, uh, Captain has her gun and is pointing it at the cyber controller, and uh, he says, that gun will not kill me. And I'm like, no, but it could kill Toberman. If she shoots him, it could... Oh, never mind. <laughs> no genre awareness at all. She's not the logician. Ah, of course. If only she was logical. I got the vibe that Captain used her manservant for more than just lifting boxes. If you know what I mean? Yeah. She's very concerned about his safety the whole yep. time. Yeah, uh, But also, like, I feel I like this is the first time they're, they're, they've shown that. And it, it feels very deus ex machina, but also racist this time that the doctor's like, you love her, don't you? And it's like, that's uncomfortable. It it did not take a whole lot of convincing for Toberman to take out to uh, be taken out of the brainwashing. Yeah, Toberman's like, I'm going to kill all of you, and Doctor's like, but what if you didn't? Toberman's like, shit, I didn't think of that. Wow, you're right. <laughs> all right, what if I didn't? <laughs> My favorite part of the episode was when the uh, rest of the Cybermen just freeze back over and it's just them crawling back in reverse shot from when they crawled out. Just, like, rewind that footage. Yep, they got it all in one. Why Why shoot it again? <laughs> yeah. Which is impressive for this show at this time. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive. Like, uh, literally, they just reverse footage and, like, you see them going back in the eggs. I was like, that's cool. Good job, Doctor Who producers. You're figuring it out. <laughs> we gotta talk about one thing, though, because... Uh, I wrote it. I think it's funny. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Toberman is fighting one of the Cybermen and, like, rips open its chest at one point. Like, this, like, foam starts coming out. And I just had the note, BBC Cream Cybermen. Because <laughs> it seemed very sexual. <laughs> Inside every Cyberman is hot shaving cream. <laughs> Well, because, like, it, so, like, they're, like, wrestling at one point, like, Doberman, like, pins him to the ground, I was like, oh, that's sexy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sexual. <laughs> like, he, like, literally climbed on top of him. And, that, and then he rips the chest open, like, the cream just keeps coming out. I'm like, it's, it's gotta be horny. It's gotta be horny. Mood. See, it's funny you say that, because, uh, uh, Brittany was watching that scene with me, and she was like, oh, god, this is actually kind of really gross. <laughs> <laughs> Different minds. I do love, consistently, one of the Doctor's uh, biggest tricks up his sleeve is that he appeals to the ego. He, he It's game-recognizing game. He knows a giant ego when he sees one. So he's just like, of course, I can see it now. Why, the, the mind reels with the possibilities of Klieg. Klieg, the master of the universe, the controller of the Cybermen. And Klieg is just like, yes. Yes. If I'd known you were this into it, I'd have had you work for me. <laughs> yeah, and th and then he says, oh, well, now I know you're mad. I yeah. just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that I liked that moment. And, and that's, that's, we've seen that before, and we'll see it again. Um, Doctor just 
fucking with someone by host, hoisting their own petard. I also have the note. I don't remember specifically when in, in, in this scene I wrote it, but doesn't matter. My note is, you sly dog. You caught me monologuing. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kleek is like going on about how great he is and then the Cybermen fucking kill him yep. <laughs> so uh i love um when toberman is fighting with the cyberman and like he goes off screen and comes back with the dummy that is in a cyberman <laughs> yes. <and> throws it <laughs> i genuinely love that mm-hmm. it just feels like a it feels like a payoff because that's what the cyber controller did to him earlier yeah. and now he's he's coming in with the body slam and i love it yeah it was a good book and also the cyberman when it gets smoked it has like a smoke bomb in its helmet it's like coming out the eyes and mouth it's like that's an anti-smoking <laughs> Could have used more of those in the 60s. Oh, shit. Or when uh, the doctor is trying to reseal the tomb, and he's like, everyone out, everyone out. Jamie stays, Victoria tries to say, oh, no, no, Victoria, I'll stay with the doctor. Which, with their, uh, with your information earlier about the two of them fucking, that's a lot better. Doctor, we've got five minutes. we got to make this quick. <laughs> that's the only way they can get off is if they're in danger. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a healthy relationship, <laughs> but it is theirs. <laughs> so every day and twice on weekends. <laughs> My last note is, I think we can all agree that Toberman deserved better. Oh, absolutely. Much better. I mean, like, this black man who is a servant of another two people who gets lobotomized, essentially, but then is okay, maybe. I don't know if that's ever, like, fully established, if, like, he fully woke up out of it or if like i don't know but oh boy didn't sit great with me yeah and then he died closing the door yeah he was hodor before hodor he was yeah (laughs) he was did you also clock that in the speech that the doctor gave to toblerone he was like you you have to come to your senses you don't want to be their slave do you yep Yep. i caught that and it was like word choice Yeah, there's a big audible sigh for me when that happened. And I was like, this is what Seth was talking about, isn't it? <laughs> I, was just, I was just a big old, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I went through a moment where I genuinely thought Toberman was going to be a companion. <laughs> I would have loved that, actually. Because I was like, you know, everyone he knows is dead. He's Which is usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. He's partaken in a pseudo genocide, which is companion material, mm-hmm. also required. And uh, yeah, he had a sweet robot arm. I was like, wait, is Doctor Who gonna be racist and also woke progressive? <laughs> I mean, like, Every party needs a heavy. <laughs> we need, yeah. You know, I wonder. Like, I know you guys. I don't know if you're ever gonna do it, but you talked at some point about like rewriting the first Doctor. Rewriting yeah. the second Doctor, Toberman is absolutely 100% a companion. 100%. Like a big guy with a robot arm? Yeah, love that. That's great. That being said, there is a guy in the last episode that if I had to choose between the two big muscle men companions, I would prefer uh, Kemmel from, uh, from Evil of the Daleks. Kemmel, Kemmel is great. Kemmel got done dirty. That's absolutely true. Counterpoint. Toberman has a robot arm? <laughs> that is very true. Kemmel does have a sweet vest, though. Oh, man. Well, here's what we need. We need Toberman to go in, find Kemmel's outfit. <laughs> and be like, it fits perfectly. Oh, I did a Google search and I found him. <laughs> so please send me a picture. <laughs> I, You know, it, it's one of the things that I love. And this is something that, like, I mean, even in New Who is very much a thing. Like, in 
not every story, but in a lot of stories, there are people where it's like, they could have been a companion, and they would have been a good companion. Oh, yeah, no, I'm making a short list of just characters like, I wish you had been a companion. I'm checking to see, I honestly don't remember what the last episode that we, uh, what we updated was. Okay, so Faceless Ones is not out. There's a character in the Faceless Ones, which is mm-hmm. the next episode, that really, really should have been a companion. Yeah, she was great. But, uh, but, uh, does anybody have any more notes about the episode? I have one more thing about Toberman. How literally he sacrifices himself to save everybody. And then literally they say like one sentence about him and they're like, okay, cool, let's go. And it's like, just great track record with that. Oops. Let's not acknowledge the fact that he sacrificed himself for us. I think they say, let's not say any more words about his sacrifice. (laughs) I almost kind of enjoy how like melancholy everyone is at the end. So like... They and, like, the four survivors get out, and they're like, oh, well, that kind of sucked. Well, um, uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, the it's the captain and the lead archaeologist are, like, the only survivors, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And yeah, so. then the companions, <laughs> so. Hey, guys, how come we don't have any timers above our heads? <laughs> anyway. Interesting. Yeah, but everyone's like... It was very reminiscent of, like, the master plan where, like, they got out and everyone was just tired and ready to leave. (laughs) Interesting how we're in this boss battle with Marluxia and we don't have timers above our head. Huh. That's (laughs) Yes, I get it. I understood that reference. um, as the credits rolled, the Doctor's companions were billed after some of the episode guest stars. And that was weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. I don't know if there was a reason, but it was just like, that's kind of off. I've I've noticed that with a couple of episodes, I have no idea what like what they do for organizing who gets built what billing, because it seems to be completely random. It seems to be like the doctor, and then just they pull names out of it. I, I was actually <laughs> worried because after the after Victoria Toberman was there, I was like, oh, I really hope he is not the last billed person. He wasn't, so I was like, okay, because that yeah. is a whole other world of actual real life racism that they didn't. At do. least his name was there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I had for that one. It it was kind of just like a big resolution episode. Last episode usually is. Mm-hmm. Shall I move on to trivia? Yes. Uh, so if anyone's curious as to why Toberman is the way Toberman is, he was originally meant to be deaf, and uh, his character had a uh, hearing aid, which was meant to be foreshadowing to his eventual conversion to Cyberman, and that's why he didn't talk much. Uh, however, this aspect of him was removed from the script, but no lines were added, which results in the unfortunate characterization of him just being a big, dumb servant. Yeah, I, I do wish they'd kept that, because I think, I mean, like, is, yeah. have, I mean, like, you guys have been watching this, um, from the top, have there been, or has it been, like, a deaf companion, or any companions with disabilities yet? Or, n- not companions, but I mean, like, like, I guess, like, people in episodes. Well, Camel, I think Camel was mute. Camel was mute. Uh, but that also would have been two black guys in a row. Yeah, mm. it, it was. <laughs> Ew, fun. I feel like we've had a blind character, but I can't remember who it was. Um, but the fact that none are instantly springing to mind tells you mm-hmm. probably not. <laughs> I think it might have been an audio drama, but there is a character in a wheelchair. Oh, uh, it was in uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth. It was a scientist who went toe to toe with yeah, the. Yeah, interesting. Cool. He was in he was in a wheelchair and he basically was like, "All right, Daleks, three, two, one, let's jam." <laughs> and he goes, goes after them. Yeah, just start noodling on a on the base. The actress 
uh, Shirley Cooklin, who played Captain, uh, was actually the wife of the producer, Peter Bryant, and her character was especially written for her by Jerry Davis. She really wanted to be Lady M. Yeah. And then Fraser Hines flirted with her while they were on set, not knowing that she was his boss's wife. (laughs) (laughs) The himbo is just who he is in every performance. I am legitimately surprised this did not get him fired. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I like that. I imagine the writer's mind where the producer comes up and he's like, hey, you got a role for my wife? And he's like, oh, that bitch? Yeah, I can write her. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I interpret it, too. (laughs) Deborah Watling, who plays Victoria, said the scene where she was sealed in the sarcophagus was very difficult for her because she's claustrophobic. <clears throat> Yikes. Just a good old time on set. Yeah. I already mentioned about the doctor in hand improv. When, when, like, Victoria comes out of the that, like, chamber, she legitimately looks really unsettled. Yeah, I know. She's terrified. You can tell that De- Deborah Watling was, like, struggling to remember her lines because I'm sure she's like, do not fucking put me back in there again. Yeah. It was so unpleasant. And everything else is was already touched on. Uh, so, gentlemen, final thoughts. Tomb of the Cybermen. We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this episode was hornier than previous episodes in a lot of ways. That might just be your interpretation with Caleb. I think we're starting to learn something no. about you and Cybermen, Caleb. <laughs> Me and Cybermen. I don't know. No, I, I'm sticking by it. This is a horny episode. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's a lot of cream. There's a lot of cream. This I, is true. I really liked it as a whole. Um, obviously, big glaring asterisks next to it. But I think like yes. for its time, it was pretty well written. Uh, it There was legitimate suspense in it. Uh, I liked, I think all the cliffhangers were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Because like there was a consequential thing that happened at each cliffhanger. I've seen somewhere it's just like... Which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think overall it was good. Really liked the Cybermen in this episode. Kind of like the as building up the lore of like them coming out of their like cocoons and stuff. It was it was really creepy and like the low budget really played into that. So I, I think mm-hmm. they, they knew what they were doing and they Uh yeah, I th- I kind of enjoyed having a smaller scale Cyberman story. Mm-hmm. But overall I thought the episode was really good. It really dragged in episodes two and three i felt like especially episode three i just felt like ever. yeah three was i think the worst out of the four but episodes one and episode four were actually good and like legitimately good i felt and uh yeah it was very solid i uh, enjoy i enjoyed watching all the characters that's not something i always get in the show and yeah even the villains i thought i thought i thought it was good it is hard to separate the way that we see everything now from how they did produce it back then but the story itself it was it was a good four episode arc and i did enjoy as an overall arc and everything that i have most of the things that i have to say critique wise are from that metatextual uh aspect so like it's it's something that can be hard to overlook but could be easily fixed yeah a rewrite of this would i i like I would, I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah. Like, tighten some stuff up, adjust mm-hmm. some characters, and, and I think it would be a really, really solid, like, honestly, even, like, more modern-day episode. 
or even if they added back in that aspect of Toblerone being deaf and having the hearing aid, that yeah. really would have added a lot. Yeah, even having like some kind of like sign language in it, like I think that would be mm. that'd be really interesting. I just finished watching Hawkeye, so I'm like, one of the main villains was a deaf person with one leg, and she was fucking badass. Yeah, I, so I'm like, her. we could have had that. Yeah, like, oh god, I, I know this isn't a Marvel podcast, but I I really liked Hawkeye. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was surprisingly good with the suspense. It was also really funny. Like, there were, there were several moments that I had laugh-out-loud moments. Yeah. I think it was a solid first real adventure for Victoria, because last time, last time she... In the previous episode, there was never a time in which she was not held captive by somebody. And this so this time we actually got to see her do shit. Mm. Other than, like, the big one, I have very few notes on improvement. And this episode is often regarded as one of the best Second Doctor episodes. And before going into it, I was wondering if it was because there's so little of the Second Doctor left that people didn't have enough to compare, or if it was legitimately that good. And I think it is legitimately that good. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also think we just got our green line to redo <laughs> uh, the original Doctor Who. Yes. I would, I mean, I would love for like, some kind of bonus episode just like i just a listen just like you guys go through okay this is what we would do this is how we would fix the stuff we hated that would be something to consider be a very long series of episodes that's a whole different podcast in itself. that that is we've started a patreon and we've reached a tier <laughs> <Right. laughs> kind <Yeah>. of <laughs> kind of thing and you can read all our doctor who fan fiction <laughs> i mean like at that point you would probably just want to pick and choose just cut whole episodes Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Because I know there's me? somewhere just nothing happens. Re- remember when I told you that uh, I looked at all of the first Doctor episodes and I uh, told you all the ones that are just legitimately good and you should watch even if you're not like a fan of Doctor Who? Do you remember how there was two of them on that list? <laughs> yep. It's, uh... Yep. Sounds about right. So... I know you guys have to go because you just uh, fell in love with a, a Greek guy that you met five minutes ago. Um, but before you leave, <laughs> would you like to go ahead and talk yourselves up, gentlemen? Yeah, totally. So Seth and I do a podcast that we actually had Matt and Caleb on uh, where we go over a different low-budget show, a different kind of low-budget, a different era um, called Once Upon a Time. It was on ABC. And our podcast about it is called Not Even Once. I've seen Once Once. And I've seen Once Twice. So we're doing that. You can find it wherever you can find podcasts. We, we The uh, episode we had Mac and Caleb on for was the uh, Beauty and the Beast episode. One of the Beauty and the Beast episodes. And Caleb didn't like it. <laughs> Shock of all shocks. At time of recording, we are about halfway through the first season. And things are picking up question mark there's there's still a lot of foundation but we're still going through all of that and having a good old time making fun of everything everything time travel is weird so this episode might actually come out before your guys's episode but mm-hmm. both of them will come out <laughs> right you can find us uh the podcast name is not even once uh you can follow me on twitter at recycled sarcasm and you can follow me, uh, Bob, on Twitter at the Kid Ain't Right. And yeah, uh, thank you guys for having us on. This was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we got to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see if we can't do it again sometime. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I know I've been talking to Mac. It's like, okay, 
here are some characters or monsters that I'm like, I want to be there for that one. Yeah, th- there there is one specific episode I already have you written down for. Mm-hmm. That's not until next year, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a while. I do wonder. Uh, I'll check with my dad again about what episode that was he tried to show me, and I'll see uh, if you've got that one open. If it's the talents of Wing Chiang, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say no to that one because I need Caleb one on one with that episode. <laughs> oh no! It was uh, Fourth Doctor and a specific woman companion. I do not remember her name. I can. I, I can, think I know, I know exactly, exactly who you're talking about. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. You can also follow Mac at MacTheMeh and me at CLB underscore Clark. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, also called MacTheMeh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on A Quick Trip Through Space and Time, in which we watch Deborah Watling's fit. Oh, sorry. I misspoke, in which we listen to Deborah Watling's favorite episode in The Abominable Snowmen. Oh, no. (laughs) We're getting fucking yetis! Mac will edit out all my flubs. <laughs> yeah, I usually do. <clears throat> Unless it's really, really funny. Um... <laughs>